Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Verklaas sy heerlijkheid onder die nasies. Sê wonders onder al die volke. Want groot is die Heere en baie lofaardig. Hy is bou al die goede gewees word. Los dioses de otros pueblos no son nada, pero el Señor hizo los cielos. Hay gran esplendor en su presencia, hay poder y belleza en su santuario. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory to his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Adoren al Señor en la hermosura de la santidad. Tiemblen ante Él todos en la tierra. El Señor afirmó el mundo y no será conmovido. El Señor juzga a los pueblos con justicia. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. árboles del bosque delante del Señor que viene. Sí, Él viene a gobernar la tierra y gobernará a los pueblos del mundo con justicia y con verdad. pray and ask that today that you would open up your word to us. Lord, uh, may your spirit open our hearts to hear your message. Lord, we humbly ask that you would teach us, that you would lead us, and that you would convict us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, several years ago, Mary and I decided to uh, purchase a house just north of uh, the church up here on the other side of Mound Road. And uh, Part of the reason that we decided to buy a house there is because we really like the neighborhood. Uh, we really like our neighbors, <clears throat> you know, a, lot of, a lot of great families for our kids to run around with, and you know, pr- pretty safe neighborhood, and, and uh, you know, we, we thought, this is the place that we want to live. Well, little did we know, little did we know that our neighborhood is the mecca for every kid in the city that's trying to sell something. From Girl Scouts to marching band members to teens working for a brighter future, they all come down our street and to our door. And you know what the problem is? It's hard to turn down a brighter future. (laughs) It is. I mean, have you ever tried to look a Girl Scout in the eye and say, I'm sorry, honey, I'm just too cheap? (laughs) You know? I mean, it's tough, especially when they've got the pigtails going and that little sash. You know, Mary's standing behind me saying, come back later, I'll buy something. (laughs) Why is it so hard to tell kids no? One word, guilt. And they know it too. I mean, they, they play off of that guilt. Guilt is a powerful motivator. 
Well, for the last five weeks here, we've been talking about prayer. And I would say that for most of us, we know that it's important to pray. We know it's important to talk to God. And and we probably have a pretty good idea of how to pray. But if we're honest, we would say, you know, my prayer life, it it just isn't as deep as I would like it to be. I just don't pray as often as I would like. I want to pray, but, but I just don't. And so here's the normal process. Usually Pastor Wayne or one of the other pastors stands up here and we say, prayer is important. You should make prayer a serious part of your life. And so essentially, it's, it, it's like a drive-by guilting. You know, guilt, 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 guilt. Everybody just feels guilty about it. You're like, oh man, yes, I want to pray. Oh, I'm, I'm so guilty. And so you, you stand up and you say, that's it. From now on, I'm going to take prayer seriously. And whatever meal directly follows the service that you've been in, you stand up and you give the most long, drawn-out, eloquent prayer ever. And your family takes a vote afterwards and says, he is never praying again for a meal. (laughs) Or maybe you're one of those, you know, super type A people, and so you say, I'm going to put this into practice. So you make like this intricate alphabetized prayer grid and you say, okay, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'm going to pray for this. On Mondays and Wednesdays, I'm going to pray for this. On Friday, I'm going to fast. And you get to Tuesday morning and it doesn't last. And the reason that it doesn't last is because prayer is not, not prayer, because guilt is not a sustainable motivator. Guilt is not a sustainable motivator. We don't want you to pray out of guilt, we want you to pray because you want to pray. I mean, think about exercise. Think about exercise, right? So you've got the person that feels guilty and they're guilted into exercising. What do they do? They they go out once a week and they run a mile and they're mad about it the whole way. But then on the other side, you've got that person that loves exercising. They love running. You know, you talk to them and they're always training for a marathon or, you know, whatever's next. And they say, Man, when I have a bad day at work, I just can't wait to go home and run 10 miles. And it makes the rest of us sick. (laughs) We want you to want to pray because prayer is an opportunity to join God in what he cares about. God cares about our families. God cares about our church. He cares about our community. And as we will see today, God has a deep love for the people of our world. And so when we pray, we are caring about what God cares about. A few weeks ago, Pastor Brian uh, begun this uh, prayer initiative by reminding us who it is that we pray to. God, the creator and sustainer of the universe, who listens to us, he responds to us, he he hears our prayers and he answers them. God wants to hear us pray and, and so many times we don't. And so we don't even give him an opportunity to answer our prayers. So with this understanding, uh, we stepped into prayer, uh, focused on a number of different areas of our lives. For the first week, uh, Pastor Wayne led us as we prayed for our families, for our stuff. And, And maybe you still have that little bookmark that we passed out. And then the following week, we, we left this room and we prayed for our church. We, we circled our building. Surprisingly, it didn't fall down. And, uh, you know, we prayed and we asked that God would lead us as a church, that God would bless us as a church. And then last weekend, maybe you were one of the over 300 people that gathered in different locations around our city as we circled our city in prayer. Well, this weekend, 
This weekend, we want to focus our prayers on our world and see how we can join with God in his big mission to reach and change our world. And so today, so today we're going to be walking through the Bible and uh, we're going to be looking at a different, uh, number of different passages. So if you want to pull out your Bible and follow along, you can. Um, there, and there's a pew... Uh, a pew, there's a pew in front of you, but there's also a Bible in the pew rack in front of you. And uh, if you want to pull that out, you can. Otherwise, like I said, we're going to be, we're going to be uh, hopping around quite a bit. So if you don't want to get a paper cut, you can just follow along. All the verses are going to be on the screen. So the first place that we're going to be looking today is going to be Genesis chapter 12. Uh, Genesis chapter 12. Now to set Genesis 12 up, we must start at the very beginning of Scripture. The very beginning of the story of Scripture. We read that God created the heavens and the earth, that God created everything, but that his most important creation was humans, whom he created in his own image in order that he might have a loving relationship with them. And so everything was good with Adam and Eve for like six or seven verses until they mess it up by sinning. In sinning, they separated themselves from God. They broke that relationship. And so ever since then, God has been on the march to restore that relationship. Essentially, you could say that scripture is the story of God's pursuit of us as humans and his plan to bring us back to himself. God has been and will continue to be on a mission. So therefore, when we as the church, when we do missions, we are joining with God. Whether it's missions here in our community or missions around the world, we are joining with God on his big mission to spread the news of his love and reconcile people back to himself. And so in Genesis 12, we see that God called a man named Abram, who would later be known as Abraham, to become the father of his chosen people, the Israelites. But I want you to notice that God's plan was bigger than just the Israelites. And so in Genesis 12, starting in verse 1, we read this. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. But then right here in the blessing, I want you to notice this this last line here. He says, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And so we see that God had a plan for all the nations, for all the peoples of the world. And that plan was to send a descendant out of Abraham's family line who would be the savior of the entire world. That savior was Jesus. Through Jesus, all the sins of history for the entire world were paid for. Jesus came and gave up his life so that we could be free from our sins and come back to God. Jesus died so that we could be restored in our relationship to God. From the very beginning, God has possessed a heart for the nations. Let me show you how this plays out in Psalm 96, which uh, we just heard a few minutes ago from, from the team. We see that God desires that all of the earth, that all peoples of the earth would praise his name and that his glory, the glory of God would be declared among the nations and that his marvelous deeds would be known among all peoples. God calls us to worship together and that out of that worship that everyone on earth would know of his glory. (coughs) Well, friends, missions exists because we haven't accomplished this yet. 
There are still places and people in the world that do not know about God's power, his glory, his love. And so this is why we pray. This is why we pray for the nations. The news of God's love coming in Jesus is powerful. It's life-changing. You know, probably one of my favorite uh, parts of, of my role here at the church as the missions pastor is that I have the, the privilege of leading teams from this church to go to different places around the world and see firsthand the amazing things that God is doing. You know, on our most recent trip to Kenya, uh, we went out into the middle of the bush in order to be a part of a church dedication. And I remember bouncing around in the back of a, a pickup truck as we, we headed out down the path, and uh, we kept seeing people walking, but we, we had no idea where they were coming from. I mean, it was almost as if they just had, like, crawled out of a hole in the ground. And so they're just coming, and they just kept coming and coming and coming and gathering. Well over 400 people gathered literally in, in the middle of nowhere out in the bush in order to be a part of this church dedication. And more importantly, to worship and praise God. You know, if you want to learn more about the amazing things that God is doing in, uh, in Africa, in Kenya, and, and here firsthand, I would encourage you to come back in two weeks and hear from our missionaries, Lynn and Dory Kazir. And, uh, you know, I don't want to give away their presentation. I don't want to take anything away from them. But... Man, God is moving in some really powerful, powerful ways. And I would encourage you to come back in here. In other places in the world, we see that the church is facing harsh persecution and government opposition. You know, 2014 has been one of the most violent years against Christians in history. It's been a bloody, bloody year. In fact, today, this weekend, today, is, is the International Day of Prayer for the, for the persecuted church. And this is what I think is amazing. Even though the church is being persecuted, it continues to grow. I have, I have a friend who's a pastor in India, and uh, he began a church in his house, and dozens of people were coming to know Jesus, uh, coming to know about him for the first time until the authorities found out. And they came and they grabbed my friend, he's this, this little Indian guy, and uh, they, they drug him out of his house, and they took him to prison. You know what he started doing? Preaching to the prison guards. And all of a sudden the prison guards are coming to know Jesus. And they're, they're coming to know about the Lord. I believe strongly that the fact that the church continues to grow despite opposition is a testimony. It's strong evidence to the power of the message of Jesus. The message of Jesus is changing our world. There's a sociologist named Robert Woodbury who dedicated 10 years of his life to studying the effect of missions in the world. He said that the work of missionaries turns out to be the single largest factor in ensuring the health of nations. His research showed that where uh, missionaries had landed and had a significant presence in the past, that they are on average more economically developed today, those, those places, with comparatively better health, lower infant mortality, lower corruption, greater literacy, higher educational attainment, especially among women, and more robust membership in, in other non-governmental associations. And we have to remember, friends, that these things weren't even the goal. The missionaries didn't come in in order to start schools and dig wells and, and, and boost up the economy. They came in to share the message of Jesus. And out of the overflow of that, out of the overflow of those changed lives, other areas of society got better. 
Missions was the goal. We see that wherever the church arrives and the message of Jesus is spread, that there are transformed hearts. And where there are transformed hearts, we see transformed lives, which transform families, that transform neighborhoods, and towns, and cities, and nations. You know, this is the principle behind our endeavor to reach 10% of our community. We believe that by sharing the message of Jesus that will transform people's lives individually, that we will see a transformation of our entire community. We believe that the message of Jesus saves people. It saves people from hopeless living, from sin, and from death. And it doesn't matter who you are or where you come from. Anyone can accept God's love and declare that Jesus is Lord. Anyone. The Apostle Paul in his letter to the Romans in, in, in the uh, 10th chapter, he states that there is no distinction between people. He says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He goes on in uh, the following verses in uh, Romans 10 to ask this very important question. He asks this, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them, without someone sharing this good news? How will they hear? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Back in 2006, Mary and I had an opportunity to travel to a uh, remote uh, mountainous area in Panama. <coughs> and uh, the reason that we went is because uh, there's a ministry center uh, high up in the mountains that uh, are seeking to reach, this ministry center seeking to reach the indigenous people group known as the Guaymi people. And until about a decade or so ago, uh, the Guaymi people were largely unreached because they were so far up the mountain that uh, there were no missionaries, no churches there. And so, uh, so we decided to go. And uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. Uh, every morning, um, the clouds roll in off of the ocean. And so there's a heavy mist from about 6 a.m. to about 10 a.m. every morning. This heavy mist comes and it just, you know, it waters all the plants and there's fertile soil and uh, you can see the ocean. It's, just, it's beautiful. It's, it's like the cloud paradise. But uh, so, so while we were there, uh, there was this gathering of, of different pastors and missionaries and, and people from the U.S. And so they decided, since they had the manpower, uh, they wanted to try and do a vacation Bible school for, uh, for the Guaymi children. And uh, so we had this VBS. So every day, <coughs> excuse me, the kids would, uh, would show up and uh, we would do a Bible lesson. We would uh, sing songs, obviously, in, in multiple languages. And uh, we would play games and do a craft. And let me tell you, it was amazing to see uh, the reaction on the faces of these kids because some of them were hearing the message of Jesus for the very first time. So then at the end of the day, um, it was time for the kids to go. And uh, the kids would ride uh, one of three buses. I think maybe there was also this way overcrowded old red van, but they would ride in these vehicles uh, in order to go home. Well, the way that the ministry center had acquired these buses is that uh, essentially they would wait until a school or a bus company here in the U.S. 
would decide that they wanted to get rid of a bus. So rather than the bus going to the junkyard, someone from Panama would fly to the US, MacGyver the bus up, and then uh, drive it back to Panama. I mean, it's, it's a long trip to Texas, let alone keep on going down through uh, Mexico and down through Central America, up into the mountains of Panama. So all of that to say, by the time the buses got to the ministry center, they were not in very good shape. Now, these were the buses that were taking the kids home. <coughs> so uh, one day, I decided I wanted to ride uh, one of the buses. Well, two of the buses went to nearby villages and, and towns where the kids live, but the third bus went on what was known as the long route, which meant that uh, the bus would drive to the top of the mountain in order to drop the kids off. I learned after this event that several weeks earlier, one of the buses had gone and not come back. They had to go the next day to try and, uh, try and fix it up. So away I went with the kids and the kids are laughing and playing and they're running all over on the bus, having a good time. And uh, the bus drivers, you know, laughing and telling jokes as well. And I, if I had known how, I'd have been like, hey buddy, keep your eyes on the road here. Because as we were going up the mountain, Let's just say that the roads and the paths were not in any way designed for a school bus. There were multiple times when, when we were straddling the, uh, the path. I remember looking out the window and I, I literally was sticking my head out over a cliff. Like, like the edge of um, you know, the ravine was right there. There's no guardrails, there's no passing lane, no signs. It was, it was crazy. I, I had my, there, there were moments where I had my claws dug into the seat in front of me, bracing myself for if we went over the edge, it wouldn't have made any difference. I mean, it was a far, far drop off. At one point, the bus died. On one, on one steep hill, the bus died. So we started rolling backwards. I'm freaking out. The kids are still laughing, having a good time, you know, as if, oh yeah, every day the bus dies and we almost die. Ah, so, <laughs> I mean, so the bus driver, he's trying to get the bus started again, and uh, finally he gets it going, but then you have to do that thing because it's an old uh, manual transmission where you let your foot off of the brake in order to put in the gas. So we're rolling backwards, and, and finally we get going back up the mountain. Well, when we got to the top of the mountain, I decided I would get out and throw up. No, I'm just, no, I'm just joking. No, no I, I decided I would get out and, uh, and see uh, where some of the kids lived. And uh, I remember standing there and one of the mothers came up and uh, uh, she, she, uh, she was just getting her kids back from the bus. They had gone to the, the VBS. And uh, as she stood there with gratitude on her face, she said through a translator, that is a beautiful bus. And I remember thinking, I almost died on that bus. That is not a beautiful bus. <laughs> but then she went on to explain that is a beautiful bus because it brings our children to hear the message of Jesus. Beautiful are the feet, and in some cases, the buses that bring the message of Jesus, the good news. Friends, this is our mission. This is why we pray, in order to join God and his mission to share the message of Jesus. You know, the Bible gives us a picture of what all this is going to look like in the end. In the book of Revelation, we read that God gave the Apostle John a vision of the end of time when God would gather his people together and that they would, they would celebrate in victory over death and sin. 
We see an, an excerpt from that um, in uh, Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 and 10, where there is a massive gathering of people who belong to the Lord. And we see that they're wearing white robes and they're praising the Lord. They're all standing before the throne of God. But I want you to notice who's there. Notice who's there. A great multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language. Friends, we can have a part in making that a reality. We can reach out to people from every nation, tribe, people, and language. You know, when it comes to the mission of God, when it comes to God's mission to reach the world, some of us are called to go. Many of us are called to send. But all of us, all of us are called to pray. We are all a part of this because we care about what God cares about. And by the way, maybe you're sitting here today and you would say, honestly, I don't care. I mean, I'm, I'm so focused on what's going on right here. I, I don't even think about or care about what's going on around the world. And let me encourage you with this. First of all, it's okay to be honest. And second of all, prayer helps us. Because as we pray about the things that are important to God, they become important to us as well. Prayer changes us. Prayer changes our perspective. And so I would, I would suspect that, that for some of us here today, uh, we, we want to we pray. We want to pray for, for God to change the world. And, and we want to be a part of something bigger. But we just need a starting point. We need something to prompt us. Something to remind us. And so you'll see in your bulletin today uh, that we have um, prayer calendars. And uh, you can actually get this out if you would like. Um, and you'll see that, that on, these, on these prayer calendars that there are uh, 30 different uh, prayer points that you can pray about throughout the month. Now, I did have a guy come up to me last night and say, so what am I supposed to do if there are 31 days in the month? And I said, just pray for your mom or something, you know. <laughs> but so... You'll, you'll see that, there, that these, these prayer points, that was funnier than I thought it was going to be. Cool. Um, so you'll see, you'll see that, that these prayer points reflect the, the different things that we've been praying about all month. And uh, our goal was not for us, as we stepped into this prayer initiative, our goal wasn't to call time out on ministries and then pray about things and then call time back in with business as usual. This prayer calendar is is in order for us to continue to pray as God leads us to reach 10, as God leads us to reach our world. And so this prayer calendar, it's not homework. It's not another chore to put on your to-do list. It's a reminder to pray and an opportunity to join God where he is at work and see how he will change your life. <coughs> and so as I said, uh, we are all called to pray. But as we pray, God may call us to other things as well. Some of us, friends, are called to go. We are called to go and take the message of Jesus to others and make a difference in his name. About 18 months or so ago, um, Mary and I decided that we were going to go on a, uh, a trip. We, we were going to take Hannah. The twins hadn't been born yet, but we knew that they were coming. So we thought, okay, we got to do this or else we won't be able to go anywhere out of our house for like a decade. So, uh, so we thought, okay, we're going to go. We decided to go visit our friends who are missionaries in uh, Southeast Asia. Now, uh, I can't tell you the names of our missionaries or the country that we went because it is a closed country, which means this. Uh, the government is uh, deeply opposed to the church. Uh, 
to missionaries and to the missionary work that they do. And so uh, those, those things will remain unnamed um, because our services are piped all over the world over the internet. <coughs> and so, uh, so we took off and uh, we went and it was a great, great time. We had a blast. We got to spend time with our friends as well as uh, it was an opportunity to see the amazing things that God is doing um, among unreached people group uh, in Southeast Asia. Well, on our way home, uh, we had to fly through Bangkok International Airport, which uh, is a massive, massive airport. It's brand new. Um, thousands of people fly in and out of that airport every day. And um, it's also just a huge building. So uh, we needed to get down to <coughs> the basement. We were on the seventh floor. We wanted to grab something to eat. All the cheap restaurants like Wendy's and Subway are down in the basement. So we decided, okay, we need to get down there. Well, rather than trying to go down the escalator again and, and hand a stroller, we decided that, uh, that we would take the elevator. So uh, as we stepped into the elevator, there happened to be this jolly old British guy who stepped in with us, you know. So here he is, probably in his late 60s. He's got a big white beard and rosy cheeks. And uh, so he stepped in with us and in a really cool British accent. Before the doors had even closed, he asked, and I'm not even gonna try and do a British accent, but so before the doors even closed, he asked us, what are you guys doing? You know, obviously we aren't Thai. And so, uh, you know, he wondered where we were going. And uh, we told him we had just visited friends. And then immediately he asked, are your friends missionaries? We thought, hmm, I don't know if we should tell him or not. He doesn't look like he works for the government. He doesn't look dangerous at all. <coughs> so sure, we'll go for it. So we told him, yes, uh, we just went and visited our friends uh, who were missionaries, and we named the country. And then he said, I have just come from that country on a mission of my own. So he went on to tell us about how several years earlier he had retired from being a businessman in England, and uh, he was now doing new work. Namely, uh, this. This guy flies into countries in Southeast Asia, uh, mostly the one that we had just come from, and he travels to areas where children are often taken as slaves. So these children are stolen from their families and turned into various kinds of slaves. And this is what this guy does. He goes into those places, he sneaks in, and he steals the children back out of slavery. And then he goes and he rents a car, he hides them in the car, and then smuggles them back across the border into Thailand, where he gets them medical help or anything else that they need, and then gets them adopted by Christian families, because they can never go back to their, their original family. He told us that he had just returned from stealing two, uh, two girls, two sisters, out of slavery, and they both had heart uh, defects. And so he was able to go and get them the surgeries that they needed there in Bangkok, and now they were, um, within just a few days, going to be united with their new, excuse me, with their new adoptive family um, from the U.S. I remember thinking, this is awesome. This guy is awesome. I mean, he's like, you know, here, here he is in his late 60s, you know, sneaking across enemy lines, stealing children out of slavery. He's like a, a cross between James Bond and Santa Claus. <laughs> I said, Mary, that's what I want to do when I retire. Forget about fishing and around a golf. I, I, I want to go steal people out of slavery. But think about the impact that this guy is having in the lives of those kids. Think about it. You know, Jesus came to give us hope, to give us life. 
to give us freedom. And that's exactly what that guy is doing for the kids. I had to ask him one last question before we left the elevator. How did you get started doing this? You know what he said? He said, I started praying for kids in slavery. And God opened up door after door after door. And that's how I got to where I am today. You know, every person that I've ever spoken with who's on the mission field said that their journey began with prayer. That as they prayed, that God opened their eyes and broke their heart. And that he gave them the courage and the ability to do things that they never, ever would have been able to do on their own. You know, maybe as you pray, God will call you to go. You know, we have, we have regular mission trips around here. We, we go to Kenya about twice a year, and uh, we have another trip coming up next fall, uh, another medical team trip. And we're going to go, we're going to try and provide medical care for, for people out in the bush that otherwise wouldn't be able to get it. You know, maybe as you pray, God is going to call you to go. Maybe you need to come next week when we have our, when I, when we have our meeting down in the activity center. Come and explore. Or maybe you need to begin praying about where else God may be calling you to go. Whether it's here in, here in our city or, or whether it's somewhere else in the U.S. or maybe around the world. Because God has bigger plans for you than you have for you. Now I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, BJ, I'm not going to start praying because I don't want to be crawling on my belly across enemy lines. Okay, here's the thing. Not all of us are called to go. Some of us, many of us, are called to send. Many of us are called to send because we have the ability, the, the resources to support and encourage those who are going. God has blessed us to be able to contribute to his mission. You know, there's something very powerful about supporting the work of God's mission. And yes, it's a sacrifice, but friends, it is so worth it. Because in the same way that we pray, we can join God in his work by supporting others who are doing it. So as we've seen today from scripture, from all of scripture, God has a heart for the nations, for all the peoples of the earth. He has a mission for people from every nation, tribe, people, and language to come to know him and to have their lives changed, to be transformed. And the foremost way that we can join him in his mission is by praying. So it makes sense that we would end our service today uh, by praying, <coughs> excuse me, by praying for the nations. And so Lynn Kazir, who is a, uh, a missionary uh, that we support as well as a part of our global missions team, he's going to come forward here and he's going to lead us in praying um, for our world, praying for the nations. And then as soon as he is done praying, um, we are going to have a time of, of corporate prayer time. And so if you want to come forward and, and pray, uh, there'll be a number of uh, prayer, prayer leaders down here, and we would love to pray with you, whether it's about missions or whether there's another need in your life that you would like prayer for, uh, we would love to meet you uh, down front. So, so please stand as, as we prepare to pray. Thank you. Almighty Father, we come before you this morning, and uh, we've heard this morning from your word, we've heard from BJ, how there is still a world of people who don't know your love and power, Lord Jesus. 
Father, these people we come across every day, some of them we sit next to in the classroom in algebra or biology. Some of them are in our own families. Some of them we live next door to in our own neighborhoods. They show up every week at the Good Samaritan Inn or at the Pregnancy Center here in Decatur. Some of them are in prisons here in the States. Some of them are in areas that are very remote geographically, in Panama, in Kenya, in other places around the world. Lord, others are in places, not that they're remote geographically, but our enemy, our adversary, the devil, has put up political barriers in China, in Southeast Asia, in Kazakhstan, in Cuba. But Lord, your word and your power and your spirit know no barriers. And Lord, we know that your word and the power of your Holy Spirit is going into those places that uh, the world that oftentimes we look at is closed and they're not closed because your spirit moves past that. Heavenly Father, we just ask that uh, you would help our hearts to ache as your heart aches for those who are outside the body of Christ. Lord, may our hearts be moved to uh, lift up those uh, who are outside of your kingdom, whether they be next door, whether they be down the street, whether they be halfway around the world. Lord, that we would be moved and that we would begin to pray and that we would pray uh, that for that day when people from every tribe, nation, and tongue will sing before your throne of grace, glory, glory, hallelujah, to the Lamb and to the one who sits upon the throne. And we pray in Jesus' name.